we're trying it in the living room today because I'm really, really tired of being in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. It's been too long there. Now I never want to go back. You'll be back. It'll be exciting one day again. <laughs> it, won't, it won't feel like a prison cell one day. I guess that probably what it, that's what it kind of feels like, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> probably wake up in the middle of the night and be like, oh, no, not again. I'm stuck here. I'm stuck here. I can't leave. This is where the party ends. I can't stand here listening to you and your racist friend. I know politics bore you, but I feel like a hypocrite talking to you and your racist friend. Welcome to My Racist Friend, a podcast about the messy parts of relationships that help us grow together. I'm Amy McKeese. And I'm Don Griffin, Amy McKees' friend, <laughs> who knew her as Amy Clendenning a long time ago. It's been a while. Yeah, I know. Um, How are you doing? I mean, I'm, I'm okay. You know, there's a lot going on, right? Uh, I don't know if I've even processed since the last time we have talked. No, things are moving in a really good direction in a lot of ways. You know, I think it's almost like voices have been heard and what's different about this protest, mm -hmm. first it's international. Yeah. You know, compared, compared to the civil rights uh, protests, it's, it's international and the crowd is multi-generational. So, you know, all different kinds of races all together. What also has happened is I think we've noticed that we've seen police brutality on not just African Americans, but regular folks as well as the press. It's like they're doing it without any filter. It's almost yeah. like they feel like because they have the, the uniform on that they can't be caught. Mm -hmm. Have you noticed that? Or because it's dark and they have the uniform, they can't be caught. Yeah, idiots i mean i think a, a big piece is it's just a system that doesn't work someone was describing the police get i use big air quotes gathering protesters like two hours after curfew and that the protests had been peaceful they had just been walking there hadn't been any trouble and then something happened so that they got split off and then suddenly the police were attacking them they were not using the tear gas and the rubber bullets that they had been using they were using batons and brute force but they were still clearly like running in and grabbing people and throwing them around as the protesters were yelling peaceful protest <laughs> i don't know if they got like because it was like right at two hours after curfew if they had somehow among themselves decided that they would let protesters wander for exactly two hours after curfew and then they were going to get them or if like a chain of reactions happened and then they did i mean i don't know i don't know who's running things i mean some of the governments that they're under whether it's the, the city or the state are democratic 
clearly someone's making these decisions, you know? It, it's time to demilitarize the, the police. At least. I don't, I, I don't necessarily want to live in a world where the police don't exist. They're, if they exist like this, we can't allow it. These, these are the guys that are, are bringing the pain to the yeah. masses legally you know it, it can't it can't go on like this did you see yeah. the one yeah. where they where they trapped the people where they trapped i forget where it was uh they trapped the people they were in the front they flanked them in the front and flanked them behind so that they could not move and then they tear gassed them and shot rubber bullets at them and the yeah, only way the, some of them could escape is to go into the there's a parking garage that they were able to get underneath. But the police were also at, on the top of the parking garage. They basically ambushed the, this crowd, this peaceful crowd. I also read about the one in Texas where they shot the medics that were helping to move a body that had been. What? And then I keep getting confused by Buffalo because I keep. I'm, I guess I'm super naive. I saw a headline that said that the force was resigning and I was like, abolish the police. <laughs> Buffalo police are like on board with like no more police and they're all resigning for that. And then of course it wasn't. They were resigning because the two cops that knocked down the little old man yeah. got disciplined. <laughs> You're right. They, now, now keep in mind, they did not, they didn't, resigned from the police force, all right? Right, they just resigned from crowd control, right? Is that yes, right? basically, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I resigned from dishes. Nice. The second headline was that they that when they came out of their hearing for, for their disciplinary hearing, that, that the police force cheered. And I was like, oh, they're cheering because they're being disciplined and they like no. that. <laughs> I said, no. You saw it, right? I mean, they yeah. did push the yeah. dude. No reason to push him. Yeah. But damn, I mean, we talked about this last a couple of weeks ago, how if the, the, the police brutality was going to get worse, going to be dangerous, people are going to die, but it also will bring people together. And I think that's kind of what's been happening. Yeah. It, it even brought Mitt Romney in. Did you see what? that? No, I did not. He, he joined the Black Lives Matter march in D.C. No way. Way. I'm way. All the Confederate statues are being are going down. dismantled. Yeah. NFL has apologized. What? The NFL apologized? I missed that. The commissioner of the, of the NFL apologized for not supporting the African-American players earlier in regards to supporting them when they were kneeling and and talking about the, the conditions you know there's a lot go there's a lot going on man we have a lot to be proud of a lot to be embarrassed about too mm -hmm. ain't it america i mean that's that is who we are right we're not trying to take away from people you know I mean, I think there's some people that are just so set. They are, they are so, maybe that's all they have is the fact that they don't have anything else to be happy about except for the fact that they're white. <laughs> they're just clinging to that one thing. They're clinging to that one thing that no matter what you do, no matter what you accomplish, 
they're still better than you because they're white. They can't be comfortable with just being themselves, being who they are. I'm baffled. I'm baffled by that. I just. Well, I think there's a lot of fear. I mean, I just think it's fear that keeps us apart. And I, I think it's fear in, in some cases, it's fear of losing what, like you're saying, if that's the last thing they've got, that fear of losing that little, la that whatever they do have. And I think there's, um, you know, fear of difference. I, is there really fear of difference? I think, I, yeah. I, How so? Why? Someone has a different religion than you. Why are you fearing that? How does that hurt you? Well, I think religion's like a whole other can of worms. And there's some religions where it doesn't really matter. And there's some where it might. Our brains, like we, the people who are cautious of unusual things, things that don't match what they see all the time, are the people that survived, right? That's how our brains keep us safe, is partly tribalism, because that's what led to survival. Okay. And so I think that's like, that's just in the soup. <laughs> is that an expression? That's, that's interesting. Okay, so that's interesting. So, so maybe... I'm trying to think if black people, well, no, black people, we do want to, we do feel more comfortable in a tribe. But I have a client who was grappling with the, the idea of either they're coming from out of town and they're going to move to Indianapolis instead of living here in Bloomington. Huh. And they're, they're, they're African-American. And they're not the only ones. There's not a lot of people, but there are people that, that are doing this. I've been trying to convince them. They asked me point blank. They said, you know, we, you know, we want to go someplace where we feel comfortable, where our kids can see other people that look like them. And, you know, and we think Indianapolis is that place compared to Bloomington. Can you say one is more racist than the other? And we're not talking about real estate. So you, you got to be careful. Like as a real estate, I had to take my real estate agent's the hat off and just talk to him as a black man, right? Because you got to be careful where you steer someone, where you're telling them one place is easier to, to live for you than another. Uh, a place like Indianapolis, there is, there is comfort. Going back to what you were talking about, there is comfort in being in an area where you see other people that look like you but it's not necessarily less racist. In fact, Indianapolis is a lot more segregated. There's a lot more issues with the police and the African-American community. And so, you know what, I'm, since I, I, and so I'm a big believer, you know, I love my town. So I'm sending pictures of our, of Friday. Of you know, Friday? Friday, Friday when we had our, our, our march and our, Celebrate. Basically, we did not have a protest. We had a celebration of of Black Lives uh, here during the enough. Were you at that? We did not go because we still had until tomorrow. Officially, is two weeks after my fever birth. Okay. So okay. I I can't imagine having to sort through those two things and figuring out where to live. I, wherever I'm going to live, I'm going to see people who look like me and in right. the end. You, you are, you are, you can, you can like go, me. you can go anywhere. You can go to Spencer. You can find your people anywhere. Here's different. Um, it's a different type of 
tribe. You have to start finding your tribe in, it's different, but, but I love it. You, you just have to get used to it. I was so proud of our community on Friday. So I heard there were 7,000 people. That wouldn't surprise me. I mean, it looked like the streets were flooded. They were flooded and the police helped out. They made sure that uh, they were watching the, uh, the people that were armed that had came to start issues. You know, the mm -hmm. eyes were on their, them at every step of the way. It was who we are. You know what I mean? If you weren't in love with Bloomington on Friday, it, you it changed you. That changed your mind. Yeah. And then yeah. they sent out that stupid letter for the oh farmer's market. Oh, my God. <laughs> what what did you know? Huh? You said that last week. You were like, we didn't talk about the farmer's market, but something's going to happen. And then it did. Did I you, say that? You did. You did. At the end of the last episode, we're like getting ready to wrap up. And you're like, wait a minute. We didn't talk about farmer's market. And boom. Ah. I want to say, I want to make sure that I say this at some point during our podcast, because I want people to go to the Bloomington Black Lives Matter Facebook page and listen to their virtual roundtable that they had yesterday that was really super interesting. And I found it very helpful and accessible for a range of like understandings of racial injustice. Well, Jane has been on, on our show before, and I, and I hope we, we do that again soon. But I finished it with an even, I mean, I already feel like I was getting a better understanding of just from readings that I'm doing and from, you know, listening, a better understanding of how tone policing functions. And, well, this is a big jumble of stuff. So I'm also doing this book group where we're discussing Maureen Walker's book on race relations and she talked about that on a podcast too so you can like go back and find that one if you want one of the topics that we were addressing today in the conversation was who gets to set the rules and who gets to set the norms like what is normal what are like good manners what are appropriate behaviors for children what kind of speech sounds intelligent and civil and worth hearing like how do we attach value to all of these different things and who gets to do that? And the reality in this country is white people have done that for centuries, have mm -hmm. said, this is, this is how you speak. This is how you, <laughs> I'm now thinking of, is it, is it Sarah Cooper? And how she titles all of her little things, how to medicine, how to Bible, like this. Mm -hmm. But anyway, like, and then we use that to keep people in their place. Mm -hmm. and, and every time Jada talks about it, I get a better understanding of it. But also in, in the process of reading Maureen's book, it, it sort of clicked for me the connections. And Maureen's book is, is using relational cultural theory, which you know I think we all know is my jam. But I've been thinking about it a lot. And I, I'm rereading Maureen's book and trying to pull pieces out for these conversations. And something that I feel like when I was a young therapist and possibly also when I was not as young therapist, to be completely honest, my view of RCT 
partly because of my own discomfort or my own, like the things that I avoid was really a way to avoid conflict Mm -hmm. in that I could tell myself, well, I'm just listening because the most important thing is to connect. And as I'm reading uh, Maureen's book, and as we're talking about being able to speak up for justice and not just make excuses for it, which is what we've been doing for centuries, I'm seeing more and more that really to, to say connection is what matters is, is true. I, I really believe that that's true, but it's not connection if you're having to put parts of yourself away, which is something we've talked about on here before. I know I've said that phrase before, but part of real connection is being able to, one, to see through all of those rules and norms that we are putting it, like to have enough self-awareness to question, why do I think when someone speaks like this, it's smarter than this? Why do I, why do I gatekeep in this way, is there an actual reason for that? Or is that just something that I've always seen it done that way and that's how I do it? Or am I doing it because I'm scared of something because fear messes us up? And in a sense, the whole RCT thing, the, I mean, I think you've made me somewhat of a believer in, in that. It only works if I can suspend my disbelief in someone being ignorant the other party being ignorant. And it, I mean, sometimes it's not even close. If someone hates me because of my color and I'm sitting down and talking to them and trying to be civil and saying, hey, you know, I mean, like that idiot, not idiot, he's not an idiot, he's well-respected apparently, that wanted to go and talk to uh, the clan people and he collected clan memorabilia. You know who I'm talking about the fact that I have to sit there and dialogue with you to try to explain to you that I'm a human too. Okay. That's not RCT though. I want to be really clear. Like that's. I'm not saying that's RCT, but I am saying it is a way it's a further extension of suspending that saying, Hey, you know, we're both human. How did you get here? How did, how did you become so fucking stupid that you think that I'm less than you? I mean, okay. I, I, hell, I can, I, I mean, I can have, I mean, now I'm talking about racism, but my God, I could be talking about people that listen, that watch Fox News. Like, how are you so fucking stupid? How, how can you believe, how can, who, who, who did that to you? Who hurt you? <laughs> that you, that, that there's, you know, five other channels, news channels, and yet you're going to pick this one and say all the rest are dumb, even though everybody else is saying the same damn thing. And I think that is a, concern that people have had with RCT before is that it means that to be doing it right, you should be accepting and open to prejudice and hate. And that's not fair to me. I know. That's what I'm saying. I would, I mean, (laughs) I, I don't want that for you ever. And I, there are people who do that. And there are people who are willing to have conversations with white supremacists or whatever. And I, I think human connection always has potential. Like, I, I'm not going to throw that away. Well, I mean, I've noticed my turnaround on certain things after we talk it through or, or, or other people, even if it's 20 years later that I was nice to that person and now they've come back around or 30 years later and they've come back around and said, Don, you know, I was a real jerk. I'm so sorry. 
right? I mean, but and I damn. Saw that at the fair. You saw that at the fair? Yeah. Like I saw there was one family that would come and write like Bible verses on our how to support your LGBTQ plus kid board. Bible verses about pride being evil and sin and uh, hell. And and they came every year. <laughs> I, I just, oh my gosh. Blah, blah, blah. And because that is what we do at the fair is we are there just to be present. That's the job out there. And we didn't argue with them. We didn't, you know, they obviously know that we disagree because they were looking right at our signs that we had out there. Mm-hmm. And really the way that we disagreed is in not showing them that we were what they expected. Uh, I guess it was a year before last then. I, they showed up on the very last day. I was like, oh, I haven't seen them at all. And they showed up on the very last day and the dad wasn't with them for the first time. And the mom was with, with them and their oldest was older because that's what happens <laughs> when you've got kids. And she walked over with him and I was, and she spoke and I was like, oh my God, they've never spoken. I don't know what's going to happen. And I was there alone and blah. And, and she said, are these for anyone? I mean, like, can we take these? And she was talking about the pamphlets on local support places for LGBTQ plus teens. And I said, yeah, that's why they're here. And she took a bunch and handed them to her kid. I'm assuming it was her kid. I mean, I guess I don't know that. You know, I, I, people do change. But, 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 I don't, but I want to be clear that I don't think it's your job to do that. Yeah. Right? I, I, I know. I'm just... Yeah, you can remember they. I, that sounds like they they had to change. Yeah. That, I, I mean, that's that's kind of a lot of racism, or not? Not. I mean, you'd think, you'd think. I don't know how many racists I've came across on Facebook that they say oh. something racist and then they want to say, "You, I'm not a racist. Uh, uh, let me. I'm going to show you a picture of my niece." And it ends up being a black niece. So I'm going to show you a picture of my grandson. And like, in like, but you said some racist shit. I don't know, you know, just because you have a family member that loves you and that you love does not make you, does not give you carte blanche to still be racist. It just doesn't. Your Facebook page. Dude, don't I you love it? Facebook on my phone. Huh? too much time looking at it <laughs> uh, it's uh and i leave that stuff up i'm spending most of my time taking people off if they're too radical but i like to leave some of it on so some of them on so that we you know so that we know um we can know that there's still people who talk think about like that liking being a slave yes and we need to and i know this lady i mean i know her very well and she's talking about, and this is a local person, a real estate agent. She's talking about how slavery was Not was so good for most people, and um, <laughs> there's all there, you know, that they were treated well, and black people were brought into the family. I'm like, oh my god! I mean, she has a black colleague who I hope sees this. The funny thing is about she actually has, th- you know, like thumbs up, right? And <laughs> those are from other realtors. Who I, you know, have known for, you know, almost 30 People years. Bombed up the slave comment? Yes. Oh yes. Yes. 
you leave that up so that people know that we're not there yet. That's why yeah. I just let people talk. I put things up and I just let them talk. We're super duper not there. And I think <sighs> the reality is, so here I'm going to say, I don't think, Don, that you need to start opening up your business or your home, like the guy that we were talking about earlier, to KKK people or responding to the Proud Boys guarding the Bedford Monument so that nobody puts chalk on them or whatever by saying, hey, can I buy you a beer? Let's sit down and get to know each other because I don't want you to have to do that ever. Like, I don't want that for you. I think that most white people, though, have people in their lives that are more racist than they are. You know, like there's levels of, oh, oh, of yes. racism. And I think that it is our job to have conversations with them. And I think what, what RCT can do with that is to help make enough of a connection so that there's room for change to happen. What I was trying to say earlier about earlier days is that I think I would have been so scared of hurting the connection that I wouldn't have been able to say what really needed to be said. Because I would be telling myself, it doesn't matter, just stay connected, just stay connected. And in reality, I wouldn't really be connected because I would be, you know, in turmoil inside thinking, this is bad, <laughs> this is really bad. And maybe I would even get to a place where I, felt like I could understand how that person got to where they were, but I wouldn't be able to push against that. And part of an authentic relationship is being able to fully represent yourself in the moment. And that includes injustice. Mm -hmm. I hear what so. you're saying, but, um, you know, in my business, I have relationships with folks this side of the Proud Boys all the time you know what i mean yeah i, ta yeah. I take on in our business i mean i had one uh oh uh yesterday and I, and one of my agents came in and was like what do i do with this don i want to tell you something like do should we still work with them i mean should should we still look i i looked at their facebook page and this is this is these are their thoughts we sold like four houses with them and, and we've made them plenty of money. Um, what, what, what do you think, you know, and we're going to sell some more How We're going to, we're going to be doing business with them long-term. Should we continue? Have people surprised you with their racism like recently? No, I can pretty much. People have surprised me with their ability to speak out and talk about how they're racist because they don't actually think they're racist. Okay. That's what surprises me. It surprises me the, the confidence of saying something that is absolutely racist, but then to have people acknowledge that they think it's okay too. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people not acknowledge it. I have to say, sometimes I have to say, uh, dude, no. But of course they think I'm a snowflake or a, whatever and it's like i i'm just i'm not even gonna sometimes it's not even worth it it's too big this nation is going to change and you can feel it can't you yeah 
I hope. I hope that that's where we are. Right no, now. it has to. It has to. There's only it, it, the genie is out of the bottle. All right, and people have seen what happens when people start coming together. I think that's what you've seen here. That's that's the scary thing. Even people that that were not left leaning or you know Mitt they, Romney. Right? I'm saying they've seen this stuff and they're like, wait a minute, enough is enough. Marching with black people is not a scary thing. They're right. Cause hey, I got shot with the rubber bullet too. I got tear gas. What the hell? What the hell are we doing gassing our own people? This is the dogs and the and the fire holes of this century. How are our police in riot gear and just fucking people up with the camera in front of their faces? This is two genies came out of the bottle. The utopian society where everybody is included and everybody of all walks and lives are embracing and asking for change and asking for things to stop, right? Mm -hmm. And then we see the genie in the bottle opening up where all hell is breaking loose. The, we, the militarization of our police force and our, our government. Yes, a lot of people are going, after this dies down a little bit, a lot of people are going to go back and sit on their couch and go back to work and do what they were doing before and say, hey, the NFL is better and this is better. And we, we did it. it. We fixed it yeah. and done. But there's going to be a lot of other people that say, no, we're not, not done. It's not okay. fixed. Let's keep going. Yeah. A lot more people are in that going to be in that camp than were ever in that camp before. The, another thing you said, I don't know if it was last episode or the one before, but you said it's time for us to get back out, do the right thing. The Spike Lee movie. We have a very elaborate movie choosing process in our family where you choose two times the number of people watching it plus one. Oh my movie. God, you guys are such nerds. Who is going to think <laughs> about who is good? God dang it. What? It's a system, Don. And then each person gets to eliminate two movies that they don't want to see. And then the movie that doesn't get eliminated is the one that we watch. And so Do the Right Thing made it through. It really hadn't been, it hadn't failed very many times before it made it all the way through, which is pretty impressive. Like the firm has been on the list for years now and it never makes it all the way the through. The firm? Oh my God, you miss, you're miss, they're missing it. I know, watch Tom Cruise run, it's fun. That's a good show, okay. <laughs> anyway, Do the Right Thing made it through and we watched it and I think everyone enjoyed it. My teenager is doing uh, social distancing walks and so I got to drive him to this social distancing thing and so we were chit-chatting in the car and he was just going on and on about how much he loved that movie and he said, he said, but the ending really surprised me because I didn't realize that was already happening in 1989. 1989. That is, that is exactly what happened to, who was it, Eric Garner? The, the chokehold, everything. That is a movie that actually you start to see things in that movie the more you watch it. Yeah. The more you watch it. There's there's actually a Bloomington connection in that movie. Is there? What is it? Tell me. Oh. 
a guy that we went to co uh, high school with uh -huh. went to Howard University. There is a moment where there's a red wall and something is written on the wall. It says Tawana Brawley was right. Yeah. That guy dated Tawana Brawley when she was at Howard. They both were at Howard. Now you, now you have to look up Tawana Brawley. Yeah. She was 14 or 15 and they found her in a plastic bag, trash bag with, uh, I think slave written on her and some other things and feces was, uh, was on her. And she claimed the, uh, police, some police officers raped her and tried to kill her. She survived. And this, huh? Yeah, she survived. And, um, and that actually brought Al Sharpton on the scene. Al Sharpton was her lawyer, but the police officers were exonerated. And then they actually sued her and her legal defense team. Now that actually sounds familiar to me. The Cosbys gave her money and so did Spike Lee. A lot of African-Americans gave her uh, money and actually she, uh, Howard gave her a scholarship. That's why she was going to Howard. Howard at the time. You had that happening. You had the the uh, incident at the park around the same time, Central Park Five. When we showed it at Hampton, when it was shown at Hampton, for some reason they decided to show that Mississippi burning and Farrakhan was speaking live all on the same weekend. Wow. And uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Never do that at an African American <laughs> university. So then we were we marched, and he, it made you mad. Well, you know? it's not just this incident. It's right. It's all these things. It's all these things, and it's and people say, "Oh, that never happened in your lifetime." No, we still feel the scars of things that happened in our lifetime. We still hear the stories. We still, if it happened to your grandma, it happened, it, it happened to you, you know? Yeah. One of the hard, really hard things to do in trying to confront your own racism by your own, I mean my own, is opening my heart to the reality that I am a part and benefit from a system that resulted in these things in the in the same way that you carry these deaths and attacks and injustices if i'm gonna work for justice i have to be able to open up my heart to seeing that i carry i carry responsibility for those too but if you can take that guilt and use it to help change, right. help change right. conditions, then, 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 then we're all on the same page. I, it's almost like um, going downtown Bloomington. Have you gone to the ice cream place? What is it called? Um, Hartzels. 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 Mm. There are moments, it's very good ice cream, incredible ice cream. I highly suggest the salted caramel. Delicious. Anyway, I don't even know if, I don't know if it's open, but there have been times where you go there and you're eating the world's best ice cream, but there's homeless people in the park. 
right there. Because it's right across the street. Right across the street. And even though the ice cream is delicious, you're sitting there going, I can't fully enjoy this. Mm -hmm. I can't fully enjoy this $5 ice cream when there are people who, you know, could live off of $5 for the day. Yeah. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? There, there are people that are struggling and do I, do you pretend like they don't exist and just go on and eat your ice cream or do you watch? So you see some people watching like almost like it's entertainment. It's, it's strange. But anyway, the, the point I was trying to make is that I don't think we can enjoy what life gives us mm -hmm. if everybody else is not enjoying it as well. I hope people look at their white privilege in that same respect yeah. and, and acknowledge the fact that they've got it, but they want everybody. I, I can't, I, you can't enjoy it unless everybody is on the same page. They're the salted caramel privilege. There, there you go. Okay. We have to do the farmer's market. What? We started off this whole thing saying we were going to talk about the farmer's market and then we didn't do it. No, my neighbors are getting ready to come and ask me questions on something. So, can you hear them? They're making a lot of noise. Yes, I can hear them. What are we going to talk about the farm? What do you mean? It might be that there's nothing more to say. Like I, I think, what? I think that a city that is struggling to communicate its commitment to justice. Okay, this is okay. The, the struggle with that. Like this is this is going to be a long conversation because. Everyone's upset after after what happened on the God. That wasn't even that wasn't even a protest. I told someone it was a kiss from Bloomington to black people saying we love you. <laughs> on Friday, yeah. On Friday, it was like yeah. I mean, so many of us had tears in our eyes. You know, like oh, African Americans were like, I'm so proud of this city. This is why I stay here. This that is why sense. I stay here. This is why I love Bloomington. We're not, you know, we always say this, not perfect, but we know we're not perfect and we try to do better. But anyway, so then they come out, they come out with this stupid letter. I reread it, but when I saw it, I was like, wait, is this real? And I had to read it again. Yeah. Okay, you know what? They are coming over here. I think I have to quit. Oh, my God. Okay. It's a cliffhanger. All right. I'll see you. All right. Bye, Don. Bye. This episode of My Racist Friend is a production of the Bloomington Center for Connection, an organization using relational cultural theory to promote social change through connection. This conversation between Don Griffin Jr. and Amy McKeese, LCSW, took place at separate locations in Indiana on Sunday, June 7, 2020 and was edited for this podcast by Kevin McKees. Theme music lovingly sampled from Your Racist Friend by They Might Be Giants. Follow the Bloomington Center for Connection on Facebook and other social media platforms. You and your racist friend. Bye, Kevin. Okay. That, it was, that was Archie. It was, was Archie. Oh, oh. <laughs> with, his, with his man voice.